Hi, all. I'm so excited for you to check out this conversation between myself and Amanda Trostin Bloom. In full transparency, we experienced some minor technical challenges while recording, so you might notice some fluctuation in audio quality, but it is still worth the listen. So thank you so much for your patience, your understanding, and enjoy this conversation. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Conversations on Conversations, where each week we explore a topic to help us have more meaningful conversations with ourselves and with each other. I'm your host, Sarah Nell Wilson, and I am so thrilled to be back and to uh, introduce you all to my dear friend, my dear mentor, my sage, the, you know, the, the person I've been able to apprentice with um, for a number of years, and that is Miss Amanda Trostin Bloom. So let me tell you a little bit about her before we bring her onto the show. Amanda Trostin Bloom is a widely acclaimed consultant, master trainer, energizing speaker, and pioneer in the use of appreciative inquiry for high engagement and whole system change. She builds results-oriented partnerships with organizational and community leaders in support of strategic planning, culture change, and organizational excellence. Working across various uh, business sectors, nonprofit, government, educational organization, her clients have included everyone from Hewlett Packard to ACT to Hunter Douglas Window Fashion Division to Colorado Access. Here's other things you should know about Miss Amanda. She is also the co-author of four books, including The Power of Appreciative Inquiry, Appreciative Leadership, Appreciative Team Building, and The Encyclopedia of Positive Questions, all of which I own, have purchased, have shared, and recommended to anyone who's interested in this work. Um, she's also been featured on several uh, podcast recordings and has written dozens of articles and book chapters. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. What else would you like people to know about you? Well, um, I guess what I'd also like people to know about me is I'm a resident of Golden, Colorado, uh, married 33 years. Um, I, my husband is a Unitarian Universalist minister, retired now. I have a beautiful 28-year-old daughter who's a music teacher and a really great pianist. Um, and I'm, I'm just um, a happy person living a good life right now. Mm. That, you know, that, that feels like in short supply these days sometimes. <laughs> so I, I appreciate being in the presence of that because some days the world feels really heavy and it can be hard to find the lightness and joy. Uh, when things feel hard. Now, uh, so a little bit of background. You know, I was trying to do the math, Amanda. I think we've almost known each other for 10 years. I think it's not. No. Yeah. I think it's nine years. I think I met you in 2013. Okay. Your math is better than mine. And I was going to guess it was a little longer than that. So I'm. 2012. I, yeah. 2012, okay. 2013. I mean, a decade, which I it's hadn't realized that. I, I, I don't remember time. life before you, Amanda. So, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but we so the, the 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 way that I became introduced to Amanda and her work is um, when I was getting my master's degree at Drake, I was introduced to this concept appreciative inquiry, which we are going to spend some time talking about just because it's such a powerful uh, tool, approach, value system, way of living, way of thinking. Um, and, and then we'll dig into some some other areas that we've we've been chatting about. And I was interested in learning more about this practice um, for my organization that I was with at the time, ROG Legal Insurance. So I had uh, been introduced to Amanda's work uh, through reading a number of her books and then found out that she was going to be speaking at a conference that I was eyeing and was able to convince my boss to let me go up to, to Montreal, Canada. I don't remember what the conference was. Was it the it ILA? It was the ILA conference. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And... Uh, and not only did I participate in your session, and this, you know, I'm very open about my mental health, but I was actually navigating a panic attack before uh, heading into there, because that was still when I was in the heat of my panic disorder. Anyway, long story short, I fangirled her. I went up to her afterwards and was like, <laughs> I have all of your books. Come work with us. <laughs> and I want to learn everything I can. And And for the last, you know, since that time, 10 years have had the absolute pleasure and honor. And uh, and I do feel like I've been an apprentice of yours uh, for so many uh, various projects that we've worked on together and um, being able to train with you and just get to know you as the lovely human you are. And so I'm so excited to introduce our audience to you um, and your deep wisdom and your uh, very thoughtful and poetic language and everything <laughs> that makes you, you, you. So I'm so excited wow. to have you here. Thank you, Sarah. It's it's really a pleasure. And this has been a mutual admiration to society since that conference <laughs> as well, because you've been such a great partner and thinking partner on some really interesting work. And I always love talking with you about things because it always kind of brings out new insights. So thank you for that. Yeah. Well, one of the things, you know, I've, I've talked about appreciative inquiry. And so just so people know where we're headed, you know, we do want to spend a little bit of time on that. But one of the things we actually want to explore in our space today is just this idea of being really intentional with designing our life and really intentional as we as we move on to uh, new chapters of our life, whether that's because of a transition, whether that's because of aging, and and just to have a conversation about something that impacts all of us. So let's start Let's start with AI, appreciative inquiry, sure. because there are likely people who are listening to this who maybe have heard of it, who may be familiar with it. But if I had to guess, there's probably uh, a fair amount of people who are I'm not I'm unfamiliar with that. So how how would you describe appreciative inquiry uh, to people who, have, who are unfamiliar? Well, I would describe it as a combination of a philosophy, uh, a mindset, a set of organizational <laughs> practices that all revolve around the notion that human systems move in the direction of the things that they consistently study and talk about. Mm. Um, the, the, I, I call it sometimes the textbook definition, at least the, the definition that shows up in the textbook I've worked on, is, is that appreciative inquiry is the study of what gives life to human systems when they're at their best. And there's a few parts of that that I always like to lean into. Uh, part of it is that it's the study. As we said, human systems move in the direction of the things they study and talk about. It's the study. It's less about where we arrive than about the process we use to get there. Mm. 
Mm. And it's the study of what gives life uh, as opposed to just any old thing. We're, we're trying to really get to the bottom of when things have been at their best, when people have been at their best. The Buddhists would call it the sort of the basic goodness in a person or a human system. It's the study of what gives life. It's the study of what gives life to human systems, um, which is important because you go, you know, my, my computer wasn't working earlier today. If I had sat back and started studying and trying to remember a time when it was working, it probably <laughs> wouldn't have fixed the problem that I was dealing with. But, 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 if, but human systems are organized differently than machines that way. And we sometimes say that the, the problem solving to which we're sort of habituated at this point is really kind of an artifact of the industrial revolution where really what we were doing was creating change methodologies that worked on machines. Yeah. I mean, so finally, uh, I'm sorry, go no, ahead. No, keep going. And so finally then the last part of that definition is that it's the study of what gives life to human systems when they're at their best, mm. because acknowledging that human systems are not always at their best. We have our bad days. We have our bad times. You talked about one of those for you. We, but we learn things if we go back and look at who we were and what we were doing when things were at their best. And we can sometimes transfer those things over to um, address um, or remediate some of the problems that we deal with on a daily basis, which are also sometimes of our own making. And sure. so that's, that's how I would describe appreciative inquiry. And it's, it's used sometimes as a, a personal growth process for people. Parenting books have been written about it. And you're, of course, mostly familiar with its organizational applications. Yeah. And I think the, the you know, the language that you, you uh, said a number of times, because I, you know, I know that a number of people who are who are in our audience right now either come from the world of of human resource management, um, you know, managing people, right? People leaders, is that idea of human systems? And you know, and I, I was so glad. Like, I was, if you weren't going to mention that, a lot of our management practices and a lot of our organizational practices literally comes from right the industrial revolution of of managing machines as effectively and efficiently as possible and that isn't how humans work so even that language of human systems of understanding and that you know just to reiterate what you said that we move in the direction of what we study and we talk about with regularity uh you, you know the thing that that i love so much about appreciative inquiry is the the intentionality of where are we putting focus? And I and I do yeah. want to spend I do want to spend a little bit of time, just because you know for those of you who are listening, I, this uh, this is uh, a core practice to the work that we do. But you know uh, it's also some foundational philosophies. It's really shaped even if we aren't doing the standard practice of it. Some of the core philosophies. So so let's talk about. Uh, the the core principles, right? Like the five core principles, and and they're <laughs> uh, 
you know, there's there's the 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 academic language around it, the constructionist principle. But but talk to us about the different principles, and then we can talk about the 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 five D model. Absolutely. So the first thing I will say is that a pre, the, the the what you call the five core principles were articulated in um, our colleague David Cooper writer's um, dissertation in 1984, and and but those have continue to evolve through the years. I think mm. in our book, we talked about eight principles. I think right. Jackie Kelm lists 10 of them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, so it's still a work in progress. So you can, you can share whatever ones that are like, would, you know, if we want to go into the eight that you feel or whatever you think is most, because I, I think I'll, that... sh- I'll share a few of them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, you, you talked about the constructionist principle, which comes out of the field of social construction, which basically it, it it posits that um, knowledge and meaning is not that it is not fixed. That there isn't such a thing as truth with a capital T. That we're basically creating new meaning every time we enter into a conversation, every mm-hmm. time we engage in a new relationship. We're finding new ways to understand the world that we're living in, and and that we can reshape that world, or we can reshape our understanding of that world by changing who we're talking with and what we're talking about. And, um, and, and so that, that is really quite pivotal to appreciative inquiry because we're all about language and the language that we choose to, to use, the language we choose to create together um, and the meaning that we choose to discover through the stories that we we unearth. Hmm. So um, that that's one of the one of the principles. Another is we call it the principle of simultaneity, which says basically um, the moment that we ask a question that we're creating a change. That change and questions are simultaneous. And that there really isn't such a thing as a neutral question, because as soon as I've asked you a question, I've 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 turned your attention to something mm. which has changed you. So even if I were to ask you, how's how's the weather outside? You might look at your window, you know, you turn your attention to answer my question. So if so with appreciative inquiry, what we're about is changing the nature of the questions that we ask in order to change people's experience and, and understanding. And, and that, that change happens right away. Um, so that, that's an important one. Another is what we call the positive principle, which is um, uh, basically suggests that, that we have, that human systems uh, are are organized. Our brains are organized to respond to positive emotions. Uh, that we we know now. Neuroscience is telling us that the the chemistry of our brain changes in the presence of positive emotions, just as it changes in the presence of negative emotions. That when negative emotions are present, it triggers the fight or flight response, which it inhibits our capacity to think clearly. It, it helps us get into trees or chase away that saber-toothed tiger, but it doesn't help us to make good, clear decisions about the here and now. Whereas in the presence of positive emotions, our, our, uh, it brought, those broaden and build our brain's capacity 
to to make decisions and to and to to consider things. It allows for innovation. Barbara Fredrickson's work has has done so much to unleash what's what's happening in the human brain in the presence of positive emotions. Another important principle is the anticipatory principle, mm. which which basically suggests that our images of the future um, have a lot to do with our actions in the here and now. And if we can change our images of the future, in particular, if we can create positive images of the future, that those images will draw us towards them sort of magnetically. And that the more positive the, those images, the more compelling they will be and the, the greater the possibility for, for, for achieving something good, if not exactly the image you've created, the, What's that expression that if we shoot for the stars, we may not get there, but we'll, we'll at least land on the moon. Land on the moon. Mm -hmm. So, so that's another important principle. Another very important one that we have really um, uh, been exploring is is the whole wholeness principle. Mm. The notion that that uh, more can be created by the whole, more and better can be created by the whole than any individual or small group. And that and that and this taps into not just the notion of the whole system, but also the whole person. Yeah. That when we really engage the whole person in a process like this, body, mind, spirit, heart, hands, people show up in different ways and are able to achieve more extraordinary things than would otherwise be the case if they were just kind of hammering it on hammering on it with their left brains mm. um a, a, another important principle that we talk about is um the, the principle of enactment which it, we, i i never quite um that that term sounds kind of goofy when i say it but what it says is the best way to teach a system to behave differently is to simply have it do it differently, to mm -hmm. be the change that they're trying to become. And, and in the process, they will learn to do things differently. So in an organizational setting, if you're struggling with silos, to break the silos down, don't, don't try to figure out all the reasons why the silos are there. Put people in a process that busts the silos up and let them experience that different reality that way. And there is one, one more that I would add, and that is what we call the principle of free choice. Mm. And what that is about is, is allowing people to choose to contribute in ways that are meaningful for them. Mm. And that what we find is when people have the opportunity to choose to contribute, they contribute more. And they and they and if they're contributing to the thing that they really care about, they're going to stretch and learn and grow, and all of those skills that they've acquired in the course of doing that will get transferred over to everything else in their lives. It builds their self-efficacy, so it builds their commitment and their capacity all at the same time, and and it's it's a magical way to create create ripples in the system that continue to to flow out forever. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack and there's so many, I mean, 
we could talk about appreciative inquiry for 90 minutes, you know, we can, <laughs> we can go yeah. into, into oh. deep with this. And, um, but I mean, a, a couple that have always r- really resonated for me and were, it was a big shift, not only for myself personally, but also for the work, you know, organizationally. And, um, you know, that idea of going back to the first one, the the constructionist principle, or, you know, the way I always like to think about it is our words create our reality. And that the words we use and every time, and I love, I really appreciate your language that we're creating new meaning every time we enter into conversation differently or with someone differently. And, you know, and especially as you think about in the world we're in, we think about the the strain on relationships. When we think about the um, disagreements that are uh, exist, the, the the divisiveness, the even just lack of exposure to people's experiences, um, you know, just how important it is to be intentional. And and that's one of the things that for me personally is it's a it's a way of trying to show up more intentionally because. Um, we spend so much of our time on autopilot. We spend so much of our conversation transactionally. We spend so, and this goes to, I mean, this isn't just organizationally, but this is also personally as well. Like we can be very surface level. We can be very transactional. And, you know, and one of them that I, I think for me is, um, I feel like, you know, if I, if I got a tattoo of, you know, <laughs> things that have, you know, like impacted me, is, is that idea that questions are fateful, you know, because so often, especially in our culture of, you know, like high hustle, high productivity, we get so focused on the plan and we get so focused uh, on the outcomes that we don't realize that the minute, the moment we ask ourselves a question or the moment we ask someone else a question or they ask us a question, we're changed. We're fundamentally changed. And we miss these opportunities for connection and learning and new insights and not realizing that, you know, that, um, that just the act of asking a question. So then let's be really thoughtful about the types of questions we're asking. I guess, you know, right. like what, what comes up for you as I share some, I mean, there's more, there's so much. I, I also want to talk about the wholeness, but I'll wait on that for a second. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, what's so interesting is this whole notion of the questions being fateful was for me probably one of the most important takeaways when I first became acquainted with appreciative inquiry. In our book, Appreciative Leadership, we talk about boosting your, your ask to tell ratio. Mm. Um, And the truth is I'm more of a teller than an asker. I've had to learn to be more of an asker. And it's, I guess it's one of the things you do. You teach what you need to learn more about. Um, (laughs) Truth. uh, Uh, Cheers to that. Yes, (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I'm, I'm with you that the idea of asking, asking questions, not, not to guide people places, but to really open up the most possibilities Mm. to, to help people consider and think about what's happening in the deepest, most thoughtful, most generative way. We, we also talk about asking, talk about question, generative questions. Those mm. are the questions, not just positive questions, but generative questions, the questions that help create something new and good. 
that help lead you to a place that's newer or better or or more that ha- full of more potential than would otherwise be the case. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not sure when we're going to air this, but at the time of recording this, I mean, there's there's been a lot of heavy stuff, especially in the U.S. that's happened, you know, whether it's navigating the various um, shootings, whether it's navigating the recent um, Roe versus Wade reversal, whether it's navigating, I mean, just so much, right, and just navigating the ongoing pandemic. And I know that, I, I mean, personally, I've, I've really struggled uh, with the amount of just sort of constant stress to be able to yeah. step into the space of possibilities, you know, that there's a, um, I, I miss a little bit of the ease, you know, and, and, and honestly, Nick and I've talked about it is like, well, did we have ease or were we pretending? Cause we didn't always see, right. You know, the realities in front of us and, and there's Sally. She's, she's joining the chat. That's all right. She, Hi, joins, Sally. Peri- <laughs> she joins periodically. Um, but you know, when we were talking about the anticipatory principle of just that, you know, the idea that images inspire action. And one of the things that, one of the things that had come up for me, and, and this is a, a quote, um, from the, one of the first ex- executive coaches I had worked with Sharna Faye, she said, you know, the pain will push you till the vision pulls you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And so, and so I, you know, I, I, I think about that for myself and just the, you know, when things feel so heavy, how, how can I create some space to, to still be generative? How can I still create some space to consider possibilities, to think about the world that I have influence? How do I, how do I want to show up and how do I, you know, what's the impact that I want to make? And, um, and I love, I love that addition of the wholeness principle. I, I, I do. I, pre, I always appreciate your language that more and better can be created when we bring our whole selves, when we tap into the whole system, you know, which also just makes me think of, you know, how do we create truly psychologically safe cultures? How do we create truly inclusive cultures? How do we create truly psychologically safe relationships where we can bring our whole selves to the table? Um I'm sort of like rambling a bit, but that's, this is just all the things that are percolating in my head as we chat. And that, that one, by the way, you know, you, you talked about some of the, the challenges that we're faced with right now. Now is a hard time to be doing appreciative inquiry, to be thinking in terms of these principles. And what is true is that I, I watch myself go down, down the rabbit hole of um, there, there's a hopeless feeling that's associated with a lot of what's happening right now. Yeah. There's, a, there's a hopeless, scary feeling. And, and it is very difficult to take constructive action in the face of that feeling yeah and it is very difficult to generate hope in the midst of that Mm. and that that is a lot of what the sort of the interplay of those principles is about is creating uh, creating the fertile ground in which um 
images of hope, images of possibility, new ideas, new meaning, new new senses of understanding can be created. And and the only way that we know to do that is to change those conversations, to help create new relationships, new authentic relationships. I have a colleague here in Denver, Lydia Prado, who says nothing changes people faster than a relationship. Mm. And 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 that's that's such a big deal right now in the world that we're living in, where we sort of hunkered down and and retreated into our our bubbles um and it's so hard to get out of those bubbles yeah and and the and the only way i know which i don't practice enough but the only way that i know to really create that authentic relationship is by asking those questions that allow people to show you who they are when they're at their best yeah and and I can love that. I can't love everything, but I can love that. Yeah. And it's, and no, I can learn from it. It's, um, yeah, it, you know, it, it, you know, when, when it feels like hits keep on coming or for some, right. For, for some people certainly feeling like, uh, the hits never stopped and, you know, and there's, uh, it you know psychologically our brain can go into that protection of learned helplessness of like well what can I do and I and and I found the same thing to be true of um, you know and actually my therapist and I we were just talking about this that for me one way I recharge is through authentic connected conversations that are really meaningful even if it's with somebody who I don't necessarily have a really prior relationship with. And and the way that we can do that is again showing up much more intentionally, seeing seeing and be, being our whole selves as much as we can and as much as we're comfortable, and asking asking just deeper questions. Like and and, and I will say anecdotally, one thing that we see and we saw this before the pandemic, but we're really seeing it now, is there's such a craving for connection and intimacy, you know, because there, there was, or still is isolation because we, um, have had to go into this mental and physical and emotional protection, um, you know, and not just for, not just for the pandemic, but, you know, the racial injustice, the, uh, financial challenges, right. The movement of workforce. I mean, like the list goes on, and then, you know, add in a severe weather condition. I mean, like the list piles up, and when you give people the space to really connect deeply with someone else, it's all, even if it's for five minutes, even yes. if it's just a five minute exercise, I was just working with a group last week and it's a simple listening exercise. And they were, and I said, how many of you feel more connected to your person? Like we're like best friends now. And it's, yes. yeah. And I said, it was six minutes. That's it. When we're intentional. And so, um, you know, so this idea of of showing up more intentionally in our lives isn't just to be purposeful, but it's to, you know, make change, it's to shift perspectives, it's to recharge those of us who may be really struggling. Um, you know, I'm smiling a little bit. Last night, I uh, had a conversation uh, with a woman who I'm going to have on the show, and I want to make sure I get her last name. Her first name is Jaquette, and her last name is uh, Timmons. And we never met each other. And I'm, I'm exhausted because I'm still dealing with, you know, a long, like some, some lingering effects of COVID and fatigued. And I were planning on a half an hour chat. 
And I get on and she just had this best laugh and then just started <laughs> asking like, great. And I just stopped and I went, oh man, I, I think, I think your laughter is medicine right now. But then we started to ask each other really meaningful questions about not just, you know, what do you do, but how did you get there and what do you love to do? And, and, and if someone is talking, what would I hear that would let me know that I need to make this connection? And next thing you know, we're 90 minutes later and I'm on the couch wow. going, hey, it's 6.30 and, <laughs> and, and felt lighter and more hopeful. And, um, and, you know, and that's exactly what you're talking about, whether that's the world we're in, whether that's in bringing people together organizationally, whether that's bringing people together personally. Um, yeah, I would just, I kind of would love to hear what's coming up for you as we're chatting about this. I'm just enjoying listening to your examples and, and, and seeing how, how you've integrated all of this, both that which we have shared and that which you've acquired in other places into this really interesting way of seeing the world and experiencing the world. Well, I'll tell you what, here's one of my favorite stories that I think I, I, I that I think you'll appreciate. <laughs> it was, it was an experiment I ran a long time ago about the idea of questions are fateful is um, we were at Disney. Have I told you this story before? I don't think I don't so. know if I have, but like, this is a, such a good example of being intentional and we were at we were at Disney with my my sister and her family, and at the time my youngest nephew, uh, at the time uh, he was the youngest at the time, I think he was five, and you know my my sister she likes some rides but not necessarily big thrill rides that's just not her thing, and I remember she leaned down and she asked him a question. She said, "You don't do you you don't want to go on this ride, do you, buddy?" And of course his reaction oh. was. No, I'll just hang out with you, right? And I became so fascinated, like, oh. well, that's that's an interesting reaction to the question, of course. So then, so then me being my curious experimenter, the next ride, I said, what do you think is going to be really exciting about this ride? <laughs> Great. And then sure enough, I was like, you want to go on it? Yeah, like there's going to be dips and whatever. And, and you know, and, and the whole point uh, of the reason we started this show was how do we have different conversations with ourselves and just like highlighting that 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 principle of the questions are fateful think about what questions are you asking what questions are you asking of other people um and how is that impacting the results of not the results that sounds so you know business but how is it impacting you and how might right. we ask it differently right 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 i love your example because it tapped into the whole experience of your young nephew because I some of my best um I, I would say teaching moments happened as I my daughter was growing up and I was I was kind of cutting my teeth on appreciative inquiry trying to practice it with as a parent and uh, and watching what happened for her in the presence of different kinds of of questions and and i can i'd like to share actually yeah. a, a similar no. story here yeah please do that for for years we had the habit at the end of a vacation of talking about what was what were the best the highlights of this vacation what what were the best moments and 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 it got boring for her <laughs> but there was one vacation that we took we we went to the big island of hawaii and mm. And that vacation was really 
a hard vacation for a whole variety of reasons. I, I, I had started describing it as the vacation from hell because <laughs> it was that there were record <laughs> rains and, and it poured the whole time that we were there with like very few exceptions. It poured. We were right on a really busy road that made a lot of noise while the while people were driving through the rain. My, my daughter got sick. She had a high fever. She couldn't leave the house. We were in mm. a house, a house that was, it was humid. It was close. And we were just stuck in the house because she had this fever. And, and that, there was more. It was, it was, oh, we were supposed to go on the helicopter ride to watch the volcano do its thing and it got canceled because of the rain and 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 I had to come home early I mean it was it was a it was a bad vacation Hannah Joy heard me one day talking about it and she said mom I keep hearing you describe this as a terrible vacation but you know what about before I got sick, we went to that really cool magic show in town. Mm. And then there was that one hour when it stopped raining and we went down to the Captain Cook Cove and you got in the water and you swam with the dolphins. And, and then when we were stuck in the house while I was sick, we were reading Lord of the Rings, read Lord of the Rings. Uh, we got to the end of that, with that book of Lord of the Rings and the geckos were just hanging out on the side. She went on and on, yeah. and I thought, oh, my God, this was the same vacation that I was on. And as I heard her describe it, it was really quite lovely. Mm. And, and had I gone to the trouble of asking that question about what were the highlights of that vacation, and had I asked it of myself, I might have come up with other stuff even mm. that I didn't bother to ask. I was so busy reacting to it. Yeah. And and that that healing that took place when I heard her describing all those things is part of what can happen when we we recast and experience a different way. Going back to that first that first interview that you went through when we were at the ILA conference it was on resilience and one of the women in the in the in the in the group said I told the story of something that up until now I have considered to be a failure. Mm. And then I realized that it was an opportunity for me to grow and learn and, and build my resilience. And it was the same episode, but it looked different <clears throat> because the question was different. Mm. More with Amanda Trost and Bloom in a moment. You know, well, one of the principles that we didn't talk about that is part of what you're hitting on is the poetic principle, right? Mm -hmm. That what we focus mm -hmm. on grows. And and this isn't, you know, this isn't about hyper positivity. This isn't toxic positivity. This isn't minimizing the reality. I, I always think of it as it's opening up the curtain to make sure we see the full picture. And and that can be really hard when when we're in it. You know, it yeah. can be really hard and, and, you know, and there are times when it's absolutely necessary and appropriate for us to be present with what is right now and, mm -hmm. and to be able to, again, intentionally find those opportunities to 
Um, it's not about focusing on one or the other, but like opening up the curtain so we can see the full stage, right? You know, the, if we only focus on, you know, the, the, the negative we can miss out on there, there are benefits and there are positives and there are, and again, and I'm, you know, somebody who has sort of struggled with that lately that used to be, you know, and I think that's something else, not that we're necessarily experts to talk about it, but when our resiliency is low, when we are dealing with prolonged exposure to chronic stress, when there's constant uncertainty, when there's constant, it is really hard for the brain to consider possibilities. It's just hard. Right. Because right. we're in survival mode all the time. And that that can get, I mean, it can get exhausting. And, um, and you know, just like small moments of shift can be really necessary. You know, yes. I, I, I feel necessary, like where I'm at now, it feels necessary for my well-being to cultivate moments of joy. It feels necessary for my health to be really intentional about seeking out and reconnecting and anchoring with my purpose, right? It's, it's, right. it's, not, it's not just a, well, this would be nice to have because I'll feel better. I'm, I'm recognized that if I, if I don't do that, like things are going to be even harder for me from a mental health right. perspective. And you're not unique. I mean, the research backs you up. Everybody from Marty Seligman to Barbara Fredrickson to several organizational folks are finding that that, that positive imbalance, um, that positive imbalance in, in our inner experience, in our inner dialogue, in our emotions, is, is, uh, it, it, it's necessary. It is necessary. It predicts performance. It allows us to recover from negative experiences. And, and, and sometimes in order to create that positive imbalance, we have to be intentional about asking different questions that will allow us to see different things that we couldn't see if we didn't ask those questions. Mm. 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 So, you know, I would like to, if you're open to it, I do want to give a little bit of time for, because people might be thinking, well, these principles are great and I can kind of understand how they look, but is there a structure? Is there a way for us to, to explore this? And um, because I do think that again, like anything, it's a, it's a, it feels so transactional to say it's a tool in your tool belt, but it is, it's a, it's a practice you can have that can be really valuable of 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 exploring and being really intentional about when have I been at my best? What what does this look like? You know, even just recently, I was having some conversations with my my husband and and just you know reflecting on you know when when what are things that have brought us joy before that we can tap into, you know, and imagining of. There are things with outside of my control that I can't, you know, that I can't dream away, right? There's the reality right. we're in. But given the circumstances, like, well, what is the ideal of how I want to show up in this moment? So let's talk about that kind of the core 4D or 5D model, depending on like how you describe it. Because for so for people who are listening, um, it will feel uh, formulaic or tactical, but it's quite powerful and intentional in the design and is again something that, and we'll we'll talk about and explore like how you can apply this personally, organizationally, and what that looks like again, so that we can show up much more intentionally 
um, in the conversations we're having with ourselves and others. So, Miss Teacher, take it away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Um, uh, in our book, we talk about the 4D cycle, but as you mentioned, the 5D cycle is also recognized by a lot of folks. So let me talk about 5Ds instead of 4. Um, the, the, imagine imagine um, a circle with arrows moving all the way around it from one phase to the next. And even when we get to that 5D, that it would point back to that first D when it's all over with, if you would envision that. Um, so the first D is about defining, defining what it is that you want to study. Um, we talk about that as um, uh, choosing a change agenda, um, selecting topics that will be meaningful, to generative topics that will help you to learn about, uh, about something that will bring you to the, the, the outcome that you're seeking. So uh, that the definition is the first phase. The second is discovery. And it's about uh, going through uh, interviews, conversations that allow you to dis discover and appreciate the best of what has been. Uh, we do this a lot through uh, exploration of we, we sometimes call them peak experience or high point questions. Uh, uh, recall a time when such and such and so and so was at its best, and 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 we get an opportunity to think about that, and then to think about at the same time what were sort of the contributing co conditions, what were the the root causes of success we might use in a corporate setting. Um, so in the discovery phase, we're understanding and appreciating the best of what has been, and. Um, and out of that, we identify what we would call the positive core of whatever it is that we're studying. Um, that whole positive core is sitting in the middle of the five D, uh, the five Ds. And not everybody talks about that part, but we feel it's pretty vital in terms of grounding you and and giving you something to build upon going forward. So the third D then is dreaming. Um, that you've gone from appreciating the best of what's been and really understanding who you or the system is at its best um, and what's uniquely good there to envisioning what might be. Um, and this is where the image theory part of appreciative inquiry really shows up. We um, encourage people to go through really explicit um, visualization activities and, and to enact the, those those futures that they've imagined, because the 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 act of enactment, as we've talked about in the in the in the in the principles conversation, that act of enactment actually anchors the image in our bodies, in our minds. It gives us it, we can remember the that feeling or that image that's in our body long after we've forgotten the words on a vision statement, for example. Hmm. So. Um, so that the third phase is dreaming. The fourth is design. And that's about um, de deciding, determining what will be. Um, in the design phase, we're, we're building a bridge between the best of the past and, and what we're trying to become. And we're trying to harness or leverage our, our strengths in service of the future we've envisioned. And we're doing that by really making deliberate choices about 
about systems and structures and policies and practices and habits, uh, deliberate choices that will will enable us to be more of who we at our, are at our best on a more everyday and ordinary basis. And finally, that last phase, it, uh, we call it destiny in our book. It's sometimes called delivery. Delivery is a little more um, corporate, corporate sounding. People <laughs> like it better there. Um, and, and that's the phase where we're basically taking action. We, the design phase is, is um, bigger picture. It, it's, it's building the skeleton. And the destiny phase is where we're actually doing it. We're, we're, we're doing it. And, and we're, we're also in the destiny phase. We're taking inventory of sort of improvisational changes that have happened along the way. The, the simultaneity principle tells you that the moment you ask a question, things are going to change. And what happens in a long-term appreciative inquiry process as the one that you've experienced, the ones you've experienced is that, um, things start to change long before you've gotten to the destiny phase. Right, right. Relationships change, conversations change, people begin to adopt practices that they've recalled. Um, You know, once you remember what you did when you did it right, you you don't usually shove it back in the drawer that quickly. Um, It's, uh, knowledge has been transformed transferred across the system people start learning things and doing things so in that destiny phase we're taking inventory of what's already happened we're trying to build people's appreciative muscles so that they can launch back into discovery definition and discovery as they're implementing some of these changes and and we're also in that phase we're a lot about self-organization if we're Mm. in an organizational setting uh, we're allowing people to stand up and follow their feet to work on the things that they really care about in the system. Um, we're allowing them, per that free choice principle, to choose where they want to contribute uh, in order to bring about the visions that they've that, that they've had. So that that's an overview of that five D process. And, yeah. and it can be, as you said, it can be applied. It can be, this can be like a one hour conversation with yourself or, or your kid. It can be a process that a team can use in our team building book. We, we have a self managed process for team building that it uses the, the four or five D cycle at it, at its root, or it can be the basis for years-long work in an organization or a, or a community setting. Yeah, I mean that's what I that's what I appreciate about it is that it's so applicable and and just to you know for people who it's the first time they're hearing it. I mean just to there's Sally again, but just to, she's so excited about this appreciative inquiry chat. You know <laughs> when Sally's at her best, she's <laughs> um, no, but to, like it you know so so what it looks like you know, again, in its simplest form is, so what are we focused on? You know, so look at my, my current situation. Part of what I'm focused on is um, moving more with ease and peace in my life. Uh, That's like what I want to study. And so thinking about, well, so when have I been at my best doing that? So things I've discovered Mm -hmm. as I've been reflecting is I have a greater mindfulness practice. I have a gratitude practice. I am intentionally connecting with people. I'm resting 
right? And and then dreaming about so who do I who do I want to be or who do we want to be in this situation? And then that that designing of so okay, so what will be? What what are the what are the things I need to start putting in place? And then that destiny or that delivery is okay. So now, for like kind of uh, wow, that's <laughs> Roscoe, folks. You know, here's the, it's so funny. Some people would like edit that out, but again, this is life and life happens. And sometimes yes. your dogs bark and this is all part of the experience. And, you know, uh, oddly enough is bringing me a little bit of joy because they've literally been asleep all day and they've just decided to wake up now, but okay. They're so, having fun. Yeah, they are having fun. <laughs> but so, so, so that idea of like, who, who have I been when I've been at my best in this situation? Who do I want to be? What do I need to do? And then what will I do? And it's, yeah. and it's, and it's as simple as that. And, and it can be, it can be as that, and you know, for leaders listening to this, this can be a really powerful coaching tool, right? Somebody comes to you with a challenge and you go, okay, well, let's talk about a time when you felt really good about how you handled it. What was that situation? What were you doing? What was the conditions? What did you do differently that time? Think about, you know, what would be the ideal situation? Um, you know, I remember you and I had a situation where I was, uh, struggling with my CEO at the time. It's really frustrated um, from the standpoint of feeling like verbally he was committing to the work, but he wasn't actually doing the work and he wasn't living the values. And, you know, and I was just so focused on being frustrated. And I remember we were at a restaurant that doesn't exist anymore, Legends, and I was having their <laughs> fantastic fries with ranch. And you said, and the question you asked me was essentially a dreaming question of like, what would you, what would it look like differently for you to feel better? And I hadn't even considered that. Cause I was so wow. focused being frustrated and yeah. that, you know, so then I was like, okay, so knowing that, you know, what do you, what do you want to do with that information? Um, and I mean, this is all to say, you know, again, like there's, we're, we're, we're kind of dancing between all the layers with this of like how you can apply this tool, but it really is an incredibly powerful um, just way of thinking or processing that you can have available and again, I'm going, I am going to, I do want to focus personally a bit just because I know, I know people are struggling and I know that, um, they're struggling with the transitions they're in. They're struggling with like navigating everything. And one of the things when I had first reached out to you about, um, coming on the show, you know, you were sharing with me the transition you're in and just yeah. how you're trying to be really intentional about navigating into what does this next chapter of my life look like? What does this next chapter of my career look like? So I would love to give some good space to just show people and to also just unpack together, you know, what does it look like or what can it look like? Not There's not one way, but what can it look like for us um, to think Again, I, I just I keep using the word intentionally. I think you use discernment, right? Like just how do we how do we show up in a way that in this intentionally moving us forward? So so talk to us about, you know, where so where are you at? So for people who are like, I've just met her, she sounds really brilliant. What else would I, you know, <laughs> know about her? But you you are in a transition right now personally. I am. I am. And I don't actually know where I'm transitioning to, which is mm. part of the 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 sort of opportunity and challenge that I'm, I'm looking at at the moment. So um, a little context here. Um, uh, my husband turned 80 in, in the middle of May and I'm turning 65 in a few weeks. And, um, and the last number of years have 
it's for the first time in our in our marriage um our that 15 year age difference is beginning to be much more evident for us mm-hmm. um there it, it's it's <laughs> we've we've joked you know the 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 threshold for getting old keeps going out a little yeah, further every sure, time sure. you're getting you're older and 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 so when he turned 65 and I was 50 oh well 65 no big deal you know yeah that's the traditional retirement age but that's Barry and he's great and he kept he was going in 70 70 was okay and 75 well he had 80 and it's like it sort of stopped both of us in our tracks, which is not to say that he's ill. He's not. He's very vital. Um, uh, but he's clearly on the elder end of, mm. of life right now. And I see him. I see him. I, I can see that. I can yeah. see that now. And, and, and so the last I'd say five to 10 years have been a lot focused on, well, okay, he's, he's this age, but I'm this age and I don't want to miss, I don't want to miss being 55 or 60 or 65. I, I'm not ready to sign up for that other life that is more age appropriate for him. But now I'm at this place of, I can kind of see where I'm going. Hmm. Um, which is an, interesting thing i you know people who have had chronic illnesses they or not chronic but who've had a really a bad diagnosis they talk about how it it it, it sort of wakes them up hmm. um that you know if they know that if they know that uh if they know there's an end point hmm. it it changes their relationship with um with how they spend their time in the here and now um, and and we don't always know there's an endpoint. I mean, yes, life is a terminal right. condition, but we don't always know it in our bones. But what has been true is that I, um, I'm coming to know it. Hmm. You know, when we had our anniversary this year, yeah, I was thinking, okay, you know, I don't think we're going to have another twenty, hmm. um, maybe fifteen if we're lucky probably more like 10 to 15 is what we're looking at. And what do we want to do with that time? Hmm. Um, So there's this whole thing with my marriage. And then there's this whole evolution that's happening with appreciative inquiry um, where, you know, when I came into it, it was, it was, it was very, very new. It was very, very edgy. Um, It was uh a lot of academic papers with, with a thin book of appreciative inquiry that Sue Annis Hammond wrote that was really quite wonderful because it was the only book that was out there that said anything about how to do it. it right. Just, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's this whole evolution around appreciative inquiry and, and how to make it um, as meaningful and relevant in the face of Things like systemic racism and, uh, for example, mm-hmm. the, you know, some of these big issues that big, hairy, audacious issues that are out there, how to make it really meaningful in those settings. Um, and so there's that. I have uh, two wonderful partners um, 
who I, I love working with. Um, but they're doing some interesting, interesting work that's different than the work that I'm doing. And, and I'm just kind of feeling like it, it's, it's time to take inventory and just mm -hmm. sort of decide. So um, I, I, in a, on September 1 through December 31, I'm taking a four-month sabbatical. And it's thinking time. It's mm. thinking time. Um, and part of that is modeled after, you know, it's really interesting. As I've asked myself what I've been learning through this whole COVID thing, my gosh, when, when we all got locked down and everything went away for a period of time, there were a few months there where I didn't know whether I would work again. Yeah. Um, um, it was, there was something really cool about that. Mm. Um, there was something, there was a presence to that time. Everything, that, everything got unplugged. Like everything, everything got, got unplugged. unplugged for some everything of us. Yeah. 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 And then, and then I started winding back up and trying to figure out how to work in that new environment. And I, at, on some level, I think we're all working harder now than we were before COVID started because we worked so hard to get it going again. And then. And then that's the new habit, the new norm. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take this four months to just stop and think and decide, okay, assuming I'm coming back, which I think I probably am, assuming I'm coming back, um, what do I want that new back to look like? Mm -hmm. And um, what would be that really good balance that would allow me to be uh, both, you know, more, have more space and time in my marriage, but also what are the other things I want to be doing besides working? Um, uh, where else would I like my time to be spent? What are, what are some of those things that, that old saying about, on um, you never thought, wanted on your tombstone to say, I wished I'd worked more. Right. So what, right. what, what do I, what do I, want to be doing in addition to the good work that I'm doing mm. um, and what kind of space and time is needed for that. And, um, and so that's the, that's the plan. I've got four months and then my partners and I have scheduled a, a, a day long retreat in mid January to talk about what we've all learned. You know, I hope they'll want me back. Um, if, if that's what I want, I, I think they will, but I hope, you know, they, they're going to make some discoveries while I'm off and away also. And, uh, and I'm so looking forward to this. I really am. And, uh, and the timing's sort of interesting because of course the economy is just going to hell in a handbasket. So there's, <laughs> Yeah, we forgot to like add that to the the list yeah, of things. A little bit of fear involved about you know will there be work when I if if I want to come back will will there be work to come back to, and the fear has not been enough to cause me to want to do anything differently. Hmm. So I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with that time. I love it. You need to come back and catch us up in January or February when you have that clarity. And, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and something you and I, you know, talked about is not everyone will, may have the resources 
right? To be able yeah. to, to, to take this kind of time. Um, but we all can carve out moments. Yes. To, yes. to think and reflect and to, you know, and to not, I mean, again, like just go back to that autopilot, like, you know, the, 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 the pandemic definitely um, sort of disrupted all norms, all rituals on some level. And mm-hmm. which I don't think is a bad thing because it's an opportunity for us to, obviously I would prefer to have not had it take this or, um, but we have this opportunity to create something new you know, like potentially like some, you know, like some of us have that, that opportunity. And if you're in leadership, you have an opportunity to rethink, how do we do it differently? And when you think about even your relationships, I think that the thing that has been the clearest for people is that nobody's the same now. You know, I was, I was actually talking with my therapist and we were joking. I said, and we, we, I don't remember who said it, but I'm like, at a cellular level, I am, you know, like we are different. We are fundamentally different and we're rethinking everything. We're rethinking work and our energy and our time and our relationships. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I don't, right. you know, I don't think and, that's a it's, bad thing. It's a, unfortunately a little too easy to go back to sleep, you know, that right. I... I, right. I I was thinking while you were talking, and at, when I was talking about those that first month or two in in 2019, when we weren't leaving our houses except right. to take a walk, right? And and I was thinking about how I could see the stars at night that mm-hmm. I couldn't see, hadn't seen for years because the ozone levels went down in yeah. in Denver, and that um and that driving was so peaceful because mm. when i did go someplace there were no cars sure <laughs> was sure no rush hour there was and 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 there was this oh my sort of sadness when that Things went started away. to pick up mm-hmm. when sure. that picked up and there's been that also with you know the the downtime you know, hearing you talk about, um, you know, the quietness and, you know, and again, like I, I recognize not everyone had that experience, um, but I, I, I really vividly remember uh, feeling a strong sense of loss the night before I was going to get my first vaccination because, oh, yeah. because I, I, we had made this transition to virtual and in partnership with Nick and we, you know, we're doing some really cool stuff with it and we have the whole studio set up. And I remember sitting in my chair being really like on one hand excited, you know, wanting to have the protection so I could see my family. But on the other hand, just sad. I was, and I thought, man, this sucks that we're, there's things we've developed and created together during this time that have been really energizing and, and enough fun. And then I, then I had this moment of why can't we continue to do it? Right. Like, why can't mm-hmm. we, <laughs> why, why can't we continue to do that? And again, making that, making that intentional choice, which is why as a company, that's when we decided it will be virtual first, but not virtual only. And, you know, wow. even, yeah. even now we still, you know, it's probably like 50, 50, you know, we do 50 mm-hmm. virtual and, you know, 50% in person. And I'm actually really okay with that. And, um, you know, but it takes, it takes the ability to take a step back and reflect and go, well, so what do I want? Like, what do I like yeah. about it? I mean, that's essentially what happened in a really quick way was 
like, wow, I'm really feeling sad. What did I, what did I love about that? Well, I love that I got to collaborate with Nick and I love that um, Teresa got to participate in sessions that she wouldn't normally. And I loved all this. And then I was like dreaming about, well, so not that I necessarily asked the questions because I feel like I'm, that's such a kind of core practice now. It happened so quickly um, of, well, what would it look like? Like, what would it look like for us to to do more of this? And so then it was, okay, like, what do we need to make happen in order to to make that happen. And now, now that's just the norm. Like I don't even right. question that now. It's not weird if nobody questions, Oh, do you do virtual? It's like, Nope, you know that we do and we do it really well. And that's, that's part of our experience. But I mean, that's, you know, again, it, it, it goes to the, when, when we can make the time, even if it's just f- a five minute walk, a 10 minute walk, a pause, a pause. A pause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just the power of that. And I think in, 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 again, in the times that we're in, we need to uh, cultivate those pauses more so that mm-hmm. we can move forward, perhaps with more energy than we came into it. Right, right. And so that we can, and so that we can uh, make space for things that need quiet. Mm. you know Mm. even if it's just a minute of quiet make space for the things that are not going to show up unless we give them the quiet Mm. I love that just that space for things to emerge Mm -hmm. Amanda as this has been a treat Um, it's always it's always a gift when (laughs) we get to be together yes Um, it is there is a question that we ask everyone. I don't think I prepared you for this, so I'll give you a moment. You to did. Pause. Did I? You, okay. You so you did. ready? You ready for yes, the question? I'm ready. I'm ready for the question, and it took me no time at all to come I, up with the it, answer. So almost always, people are just like, "This is it." Uh, okay. Yeah. So the question that we ask everyone, and I always invite uh, our audience to think about for themselves, is what was a conversation that happened with yourself or with someone else that was transformative. And ironically, it was um, the conversation that was inspired by the very first appreciative interview that I ever participated in. I was mm-hmm. in a workshop. I was being introduced to appreciative inter- in- inquiry. And, um, and one, the first question on, that core, on those four core questions was, describe a peak experience or high point in your professional life a time when you felt engaged, alive, inspired, and really proud of yourself and your work. And um, so context here, um, I, I was being asked this question. Um, I, was, I, I had had at that point um, a successful independent consulting practice for about eight years at that point. And... Um, and when I was asked that question, I couldn't find a moment within those eight years mm. that I was that I could answer. And I went back and I went back and back and back. And I actually returned to um, an episode from my from my mid-20s when I I had helped um, I had worked with a bunch of people to create um, an organization development internship program 
in the Philadelphia area. It hadn't existed. I was new to OD at that point, and it was this really high point for me about being able to bring my skills and partner with these very senior practitioners. And I and I loved that the way that we kind of came and went and traded, you know, traded our traded our gifts and our strengths and built off each other. And I learned things and I got to meet new people and we created something really important that made a difference for several people, really a big difference for several people coming after us. I, I just was so proud of that experience. Well, you know, that that's supposed to make you feel so excited that you feel like you can do anything. What that question did was it um, it stopped me up short because I thought I have been on my own for eight mm-hmm. years. I can do anything I want to do. And why is it that I had to go back 15 years in mm. order to be able to answer this question? And um, that really bugged me. And, and that, that stayed with me for the rest of the workshop. And then I had a five-hour drive from that there to get home. And about an hour and a half into it, I started putting myself into the 4D cycle, though I didn't really know what it was at the time. I thought, well, that what was it that I loved about that experience? Mm. And I started thinking about it. there was the sense of purpose, the sense of community, the, the, the sense that I had unique gifts that were really going to make a difference there. The sense of trying something new and doing something that had never been done. I mean, there was a long list. And, and I thought, well what would it take for everything to look like that? Mm-hmm. And I started reinventing my consulting practice. As I came over the Levita Pass, I started going through every project that I was working on and thinking, okay, how could I, how, how could I create more of that here and here and here and here? And there was one project that I was work that had been called in on that uh, I, I was supposed to go in that Monday morning and review the agenda for a retreat that was coming up a week later. It was with a company called Hunter Douglas Window Fashions mm, Division. Mm, mm-hmm. And um, and I, uh, I had been with them for three years. And, and so when I went into them on Monday morning and said, you know, I know we had this agreement to do this a certain way, but I, I just... I want to try something different. And they let me do it. And so I, I brought into that retreat um, some of what I had learned in those mm. two days. And they loved it. Mm. And, and long story short, that, that company, that organization got so... Um, they got so energized by the appreciative inquiry work that they ended up launching a process that went on for a couple of years, two to three years thereafter. That was the place where I learned how to do AI. Mm. Um, And that became from that point forward, my answer to the peak experience question. (laughs) I love that. Until I found my next peak experience a few years after that. But, 
that it was like that was the moment where I, everything that I had wanted, I had a sense of purpose. I was doing something big, Harry hadn't been done before. I was stretching. I was learning. I was with. I was co-creating with people. My strengths were feeding in with other people's strengths, and we were doing the whole list of what had been so important for me in that one project. It transferred over, and it was there. So I love that. Yeah, I don't. I never. Yeah. I didn't know that story. I mean, I'm I'm familiar with your Hunter Douglas stuff just from our conversations in your book, but I I really love I love that 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 question of what's your peak experience and you realizing mm, I don't have it. So what does that mean? And what does that look I like? Need and how do I, I need to have it. I need to have it, and I need to create it. more of that. I mean, even that is yeah. a question for people who are listening. Of just reflect on that question and see what comes up yes. for you, and how do you make more of that in the work that you have. Exactly. Amanda. And it's what you did with the COVID thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it so. has been an absolute honor and treat for people who are interested in learning more about the work you do and how they can connect with you. Uh, what's the best way for people to reach out? Uh, they can reach out. They can go to our website, which is RockyMountainPositiveChange.org. Uh, I'll run one word. Uh, they can also reach me by email, amanda at positivechange.org. I would love to talk with anybody who is intrigued about any aspect of what we've discussed today. Yeah. And we'll put all that information in the show notes. And and for those of you who are listening, we always love to give away resources when we have the opportunity to. So if you shoot us a message at podcast at sarahnollwilson.com, the first you know, we'll say the first five to 10 people who reach out will will connect you uh, with one of Amanda's great books. I love all of them. Oh, and that's great. <laughs> I particularly love, I love the team building one, but the the questions, even just your encyclopedia of positive questions is such a provocative one because it it just shows you what a generative question can look like. So, so if you're interested in a copy of Amanda's book, shoot us a message, be sure to connect with her. Amanda, as always, thank you for being so generative thank you for being you know you, the word didn't come up today juicy I mean that's usually yeah. like that's a you know it's an Amandaism that I think about from our training but uh just a wholehearted thank you for being just beautifully and brilliantly you so thank you thank you thank you Sarah so much and thank you for um taking time for us to visit today it was a treat thank you our guest this week has been my dear friend and mentor, Amanda Trostin Bloom. And, you know, one of the things that I'm holding on to is just that idea of how can I create more moments of pause to let the space for what needs to be thought about happen, because that's something that I definitely struggle with. And we would love to hear from you. What resonated? What are you curious about? What are you doing differently as a result of our conversation together? And you can connect with us at any time at podcast at sarahnollwilson.com. You can also connect with me on social media. My DMs are always open. And just as a reminder, if you do reach out to us and shoot us an email, we will send copies of her books to the first 10 people who connect with us. And if you'd like to learn more about the work that we do and how we could support your team, have conversations that matter, you can check us out at sarahnollwilson.com. Also, 
If you haven't yet, check out my book, Don't Feed the Elephants, wherever books are sold. And if you like the show and you want to support us, please consider becoming a patron. You can go to patreon.com backslash conversations on conversations, where your financial support will not only sustain the financial uh, stability of the show and support the amazing team we have, you'll also receive some pretty great benefits. And if you haven't already, please rate, subscribe, and leave a review for the show. The more reviews we get, the more we're able to interview and bring on amazing guests like Amanda Trostenbloom. Thank you to our incredible team, as always, who makes this podcast possible. I am the one in front of the microphone and the screen, but I am not the one who makes this all happen. So a big shout out to our producer, Nick Wilson, our sound editor, Drew Knoll, our transcriptionist, Olivia Reinert, and our marketing consultant, Caitlin Summit Nelson, as well as a big thank you to the rest of the Snowco crew that makes all of this happen. And a final big, big thanks to Amanda Trostenbloom for joining us, for sharing so vulnerably for giving us wisdom and insight and some really practical tips we can use to have more meaningful conversations with ourselves and with others. This has been Conversations on Conversations. Thank you so much for listening and giving us your time and attention. And remember, when we can change the conversations we have with ourselves and with others, I really do believe we can change the world. So thank you all. Please make sure you rest, rehydrate, and we'll see you again next week.